Good morning, my friends. Today is Thursday, June 4th, 2020. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 50, Ecclesiastes 3:16 through 4:3, Galatians 3:1-14, and the Gospel of Matthew 14:13 through 21. We open on page 19 of Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For our God is a great God and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are God's also. The sea is God's, for God made it, and God's hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For this is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture, and the sheep of God's hand. Would that today you would hearken to God's voice. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Psalm 50, the Mighty One, God the Ruler, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before God is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around God. God calls to the heavens above and to the earth that God may judge the people. 
Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare God's righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every wild animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the air, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all that is in it is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. You make friends with a thief when you see one and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your kin. You slander your own mother's child. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one just like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then, you who forget God, or I will tear you apart, and there will be no one to deliver. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice honor me. To those who go the right way, I will show the salvation of God. Here with the Spirit, oh, praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ecclesiastes. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, wickedness was there as well. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For God has appointed a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to human beings that God is testing them to show that they are but animals. For the fate of humans and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and humans have no advantage over the animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knows whether the human spirit goes upward and the spirit of animals goes downward to the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that all should enjoy their work, for that is their lot. Who can bring them to see what will be after them? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are practiced under the sun. Look, the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. On the side of the oppressors, there was power with no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who have already died more fortunate than the living who are still alive, but better than both is the one who has not yet been and who has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle A, A Song of Wisdom Wisdom freed from a nation of oppressors, a holy people, and a blameless race. She entered the soul of a servant of God, withstood dread rulers with wonders and signs. To the saints she gave the reward of their labors and led them by a marvelous way. She was their shelter by day and a blaze of stars by night. She brought them across the Red Sea. She led them through mighty waters. But their enemies she swallowed in the waves and spewed them out from the depths of the abyss. And then God, the righteous, sang hymns to your name and praised with one voice your protecting hand. For wisdom opened the mouths of the mute and gave speech to the tongues of a newborn people. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so, you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. God redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 16 The Song of Zechariah Blessed are you, God, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears, and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our ancestor Abraham, to our ancestors Abraham and Sarah to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, 
holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before God to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 15, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, He withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In place of suffrages, we will use again Section 5 of the Great Litany, found on page 49. Comfort and liberate the lonely, the bereaved, especially those grieving victims of racial violence, victims of COVID-19, victims of poverty, victims of war, 
victims of heartbreak. And the oppressed. Hear us, O Christ. Keep in safety those who travel, especially those who must travel during the pandemic, especially those whose travel has been interrupted by the pandemic and are caught away from home. Bless their safe return, O God. And all who are in peril, hear us, O Christ. Heal the sick in body, mind, or spirit, especially those afflicted by the disease of racism or any kind of prejudice or elitism, especially those afflicted by the pandemic, especially those who are heartsick and despairing especially those who are angry and violent or vindictive. And provide for the homeless, the hungry, and the destitute. Hear us, O Christ. Guard and protect all children who are in danger. Hear us, O Christ. Shower your compassion on prisoners, hostages, and refugees, and all who are in trouble. Hear us, O Christ. Forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and turn their hearts. Hear us, O Christ. Hear us as we remember those who have died especially those over 100,000 who have died in this pandemic, those who have died as a result of violence at the hands of those who should have been protecting them, especially all children and young people who have died. And grant us with them a share in your eternal glory. Hear us, O Christ. We continue in the Book of Common Prayer, or we resume in the Book of Common Prayer. We started out in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1, in the Supplemental Liturgical Materials, and now we're returning to what I think of as the base liturgical material. So we're in the Book of Common Prayer. Um, in the flow of morning prayer, we are on page 99 um, with the collects. But we will speak the collect for this week, for the weekdays of this week, proper four on page 229. God, your never-failing providence sets in order all things, both in heaven and on earth. Put away from us, we entreat you, all hurtful things, and give us those things which are profitable for us, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, 
Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Dear God, almighty and everlasting Creator, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by any adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to change the order up just a tiny bit and say the prayer for mission after our thoughts on on the readings this morning. So my commentary um, speaks to this as a covenant renewal liturgy. The psalm seems to record a ceremony in which the people reaffirm their commitment to the Sinai covenant. It's attributed to Asaph, one of David's musicians. So I think it's helpful to look at this through this lens. This is our reaffirming, this would be the people's reaffirming commitment. Um, so it's part of their liturgy on those particular days. It's interesting that in several of the verses, it seems like they, they are accusations, um, the way the commentator phrases it, are aggressive rebukes and questions. And he says that they often preceded renewal of vows. And the goal was positive, to encourage repentance. So you're asking yourself these hard questions to draw forth all the things that you need to repent of. And I I think that it's a good time to mention, and I really stopped and paused and thought about re-recording the beginning of this morning's prayer. Because I think that... The confession, as it's written in Enriching Our Worship, is really meaningful in this time. And the reason that I don't usually use it is because I like the longer introduction that instead of just saying, let us confess our sins to God, kind of goes through... um, the context we're coming. So I use the longer, you know, intro to the confession of sin where the officiant would say, we're coming together in the presence of God. We're asking for ourselves and for others what is needed for both our life and also eternal salvation. And so that we can prepare ourselves in heart and mind so we can do what scripture tells us to do, which is to reconcile before we come to the altar Let us kneel in silent and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may attain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. I just really like that as opposed to just the let us confess our sins to God. Um, But um, today, I feel like the actual confession from enriching our worship is is very apt. So I I guess I kind of maybe could have mixed the two together, but... 
I just hadn't thought of it yet. So I'm going to read now the confession that I'm talking about to you. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied our, your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. I just think that's that's so appropriate at this moment, like opposing your will in our lives. We're getting in our own way, denying your goodness in each other, seeing each other, other people groups as subhuman, in ourselves, the self criticism and hatred that is really what we're visiting upon other people most of the time and I think you've heard me say this before when somebody says something ugly to you it's really that they're looking in the mirror and saying it to themselves we repent of the evil that enslaves us yeah we want we want that gone we don't want to be in that snare anymore the evil we have done and here's the piece that really spoke to me and the evil done on our behalf This is part of our call of reconciliation is to repent, not just of the things that we've done personally, but of the things that were done on our behalf. Like those of us, and I count myself among them, you know, we can be both things, right? We can be both persecuted and persecuting or part of the persecuting group. And although I find myself much persecuted, abused, and et cetera, as a woman, in um, our culture, organization, society, and structures today. I'm also part, I mean, I'm white middle class. I am definitely part of a group that um, reaps the benefits of elitism on the backs of the oppressed peoples of this country. And, And so that is part, not for me to carry that burden of sin, but for me to repent. And what repentance does is it it acknowledges the sin and it gives it to God. It provides a pathway for reconciliation, for redemption. And I think that's so important for us to remember um, those two things that we repent not only for our personal individual selves, but also for our entire community and um all the groups that we are and were a part of um, and, and sometimes ones that we're not and are just laid on our hearts to um, intercede in prayer for intercessory prayer is a very powerful thing. So that's thing one, <laughs> the greater communal repentance. And then thing two is that the repentance does not mean us bearing the sin on our backs. It doesn't mean us carrying the load for the generation or the community or, you know, whomever the group is that we are interceding and repenting on behalf of and for. It means providing a conduit, like making ourselves the conduit between, for, not between, but for the sin to travel to God for redemption Like it it is all moving through us. It's not stopping at us. We're not a repository for sin. 
We are a conduit for forgiveness and blessing. So we give it up to God and what comes back in its place is healing. That's what we're doing here, friends. So um, having stopped and spoken to that, what else speaks to me from this psalm is it's, it's interesting that that God is described in verse 3 as coming and not keeping silent and before God is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around God. This, this isn't just theophany. This is, I believe, part of the cleansing. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that I don't mean that in any of the terrible ways that, that that word has been appropriated. Let me be really clear on that. It's so hard when not only do we not have enough words in our language, particularly I would argue with words like the word love, but also so many of them have been misappropriated and, and misused. So what I mean here is that Sometimes it gets, sometimes it feels like before the breakthrough, like before the salvation comes the immense pain, comes the crisis, comes the trial. And, and I don't think it's that God is creating the devouring fire or the storm, but what 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 we know is that with us and behind the crisis coming through helping us push through is is always god and like we talked about yesterday there is a clearing effect you know we had this huge storm two nights ago here and the air in the morning after the storm is it's fresh and clear and it feels scoured clean, right? And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here, that God uses the fire and the storm to prepare the way. At least that's the way that, that I'm choosing to look at it today. Take it or leave it. Um, I think it's important to note too in, in, in verse 5, Gather to me my faithful ones. Another word that could be used here is consecrated. Gather to me my consecrated ones, which makes so much sense because this is a renewal of vows. So they were consecrated by the vows originally. And now they are renewing the vows. So they're coming together. And I think it's also really speaks to our situation today that this is a communal prayer. They're all coming together. And, and I would argue that that is what we need to do as well. All right, one last kind of aside on the psalm, and then we'll move on. Verse 18, and you keep company with adulterers. I really feel like many of the places where the word adultery or adulterer is, is noted here could be translated as disloyal or those who are disloyal to God um, because that's really kind of the metaphor that's being used here is that an adulterer 
um, is someone who breaks the covenant of marriage and enters into relationship with someone else illicitly, right? Um, and here the metaphor is being used as in many places throughout scripture um, for someone who breaks the covenant with God and enters into relationship with that which is not of God. Um, so basically a turning away from God and investing in else or other. Um, so I think we get really hung up on the sin of adultery because the word comes up so often. And I think that it's more helpful for us to peel back the metaphor and to see um, that's what being spoken to here is, is those who are disloyal, those who turn away from God. And that kind of speaks to our New Testament reading today. I think it's our New Testament reading. In Galatians, um, where it talks about having started with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? So like you, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, you know about God. Why are you being disloyal to the message of love, which is then being disloyal to God? You're going back to this formulaic, if I do A, B, C, D, and E, then I will be not just saved, but also prosperous, as opposed to following the more difficult but truer were um, path of faith and love. And, and this relates then also to our Old Testament reading or our Hebrew scripture reading um, where the author, and we'll talk a little bit about the author in the moment, says repeatedly, I said in my heart. And I think another way of translating that or of understanding that is like, I knew, I knew deep in myself this about God and that about God. And because, because I think we can really take that verse, God is testing them to show the human beings, to show that they are but animals, that can really be taken I think in some ways that take us to, to untrue places. Let's, let's talk briefly about Ecclesiastes. So the name of the book, this is from the commentary, is derived from the introduction, like the long commentary introduction to the, to the book, is derived from the word used for the teacher who speaks in the book. In Hebrew, the word, I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce, I'm going to do my best, is kohelet, meaning gather. Though Luther translated it as preacher. So it's a literary collection of teachings. And there's all kinds of debates about it. Its inclusion in Holy Scripture has been debated throughout time. And it's been used by and influenced, again, this is from the commentary, both religious and non-religious communities. And then I think this is a really interesting point. Um, 
Most early and medieval Christian theologians transformed Ecclesiastes' impious teachings into a series of exhortations to ignore the transient material world and focus on the divine. Many modern readers, however, have found in Ecclesiastes deep resonances with contemporary philosophical movements such as existentialism and pessimism. After 20th century horrors such as the Shoah, Ecclesiastes' bitter but honest realism resonates with many who feel skeptical about the world's moral coherence. I look at, I look at that, that much the way I look at some of what I think of as the angry psalms. This is a crying out. This is a crying out in this case of delusionment. Um, but I think the transformative grace is that it helps give us comfort. We're not feeling like we're alone in that our labor and our toil are for nothing. Um, or that it doesn't matter what we do here on earth. We're definitely not alone in that. But I think that you must take this in context with the rest of scripture and read it much as we do the Psalms, you know, those angry <laughs> Psalms are that piece is usually the intro to the Psalm. And then there is this turning point of redemption where the Psalmist rests back in their faith on God. And they either go back and remember the, the miracles and the saving graces and what God has done be, for them before, or, um, they transition the tone um, from bewailing to believing, um, speaking gratefulness and thanks for that, which they have faith that God is going to do. Um, and I, I think that when we see it, when we see it through that lens, it helps us a little bit and, and it helps us see that like, there is a way to, to, to look at this as, as if, oh man, my, my frustration and my despair, I am not alone. Um, but then let's go a, a layer deeper. So this one, I, the verse 18, I said in my heart with regard to human beings that God is testing them to show that they are but animals. Um, I think when we go to a deeper level in this, we can see that, that there's a message here that all of creation is... Specially created by God and that all have all have value and that as humans as mortals we are kin to the animals now where I think we then need to go even further is our our immortal souls, our divine natures, allow us to transcend. And with, with that, we need to, as we talked about yesterday, see the divine both in us and in the created world around us, including the animals, including the plant life, including all of the things. And so there's a message here of both humility and also, I think, responsibility. And I, I don't want to be 
reading too much on in it or putting layers that aren't there, but I think it is important to read in context, to look at scripture as part of the whole, not to snatch pieces out. And so I think that's something that's important for us to do here. And I think there are important parallels drawn between the oppressed and the oppressors that one has tears and the other has power, but in the end, they are both at the same level. I think, especially in this time, it's easy to, to feel that efforts are futile. And we have to, we have to balance that, right, with with our New Testament reading, right? We we have to take hope and faith and, and, to, and to go forth in action, living out our faith in the world. Um, and at the same time, without that faith, works are nothing. So one could make the argument here that the writer of Ecclesiastes, because Jesus had not yet come, had, had empty works, had works without faith. But I don't, I don't think that's quite the case. I think um, that because God is timeless, Christ is and was and will be. And I think it's possible for people to know the divine, to know Christ without knowing Christ's name, without even you know having had access to a Bible or any teachings about Christ. I believe that that is possible. I also believe that sometimes we can get so caught up in the material world in which we live that we can get cut off from the spiritual world, from the divine. And when that happens, we're prey to, to, to forces that, that we don't understand and can't see. And so we need to bravely connect with our spiritual selves and with the spiritual world, which is, is always present. So the danger is that when we're unaware of it, then we also do not have intention in the way that which we are affected by it. And, and even when we're unaware, there, there's grace and the Holy Spirit is there. It's, it's not irrevocable. Um, that's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that when we overfocus on on the material, and we forget about the divine, we are missing a really important component. We're missing out on the on the grace and the divine that's infused in us and in everything around us. And I'll give like a really simplistic example. Um, 
Jack was really struggling with something and I had done all of the, I'm going to keep using the word material, even though I feel like it's an imperfect word, but I'd done all the material things. I'd, I'd sought all the advice. I'd read all the books. Um, I had researched and use my rational and deductive thought processes. Like I'd, I'd done everything in my humanity that I could do. And then after days of this, it occurred to me, oh, there's a spiritual component to this. And it was, it was so silly. Here I am who's someone who is steeping herself in the spiritual every day. I mean, I, I spend a significant portion of my waking hours in prayer, um, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I did not look to, to God, um, for the solution because I didn't see the spiritual in the affliction and things have gotten much better since I prayed. And I think all of these things work together. I don't think we forsake either one for the other. We don't forsake faith for works and we don't forsake works for faith but instead, when we are rooted in and connected to the spiritual world, we have faith in works. We have works informed by faith. We are rooted in God's love and living out that love in the world. And so this interconnectedness, this awareness is something that I think is really important and is kind of the missing component in what they're talking about in, in Ecclesiastes on the one hand and then what we're talking about in Galatians on, in the, well, actually not on the other hand, but in the same vein, because we're in both places, we're talking about works without faith. Um, and so we come back to, we must be first and foremost, above all things, rooted in God, drawing up God's love through those roots um, as water from from the well of, of everlasting life, from Jesus Christ himself. And, and then I think it, it's one of the many, many, many reasons that it's important to stop and breathe and pray on everything we encounter, every joy, every struggle, because it is God's help that takes us, takes, takes it what we have and, and makes it enough or supplants it. Um, cause what we can do on our own in our own human efforts is, is not enough. We don't heal through our own power. We hear, heal through the power of Jesus Christ. And so we must approach what's going on in the world around us fully aware and attuned spiritually and calling on God. So all that action that we've been talking about needing to take for the, for the past few days, that is necessarily um, action that we are taking in and of and and by God and allowing God's power to work through us. And so that brings us really well to our scripture reading for today. Um, and now when Jesus has heard of John the Baptist's death, he is, he is withdrawn by himself. But the crowds follow him. And 
they are seeking his healing, right? And they are seeking his word. They are seeking to learn and to grow and to be healed and to be reconciled and all of the things that we seek from Jesus now. And and it's getting late and they need to be fed and the disciples want to send them away. And, and Jesus tells them, no, no, you're not going to send them to fend for themselves. You're going to feed them. And their response is really material. All we have here are five fishes and, or two fishes and five loaves. And, and Jesus is like, bring them to me. I'll make it enough. That's what we've got to do. We've got to bring to God our gifts, our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, all of those things, everything that we have, we have to bring to God and God will multiply it so that it's enough, more than enough, because what was gathered over at the end was an abundance. They somehow ended up in the leftovers with more than they had started with. And, and so too, God does that for us, but we have to bring it to God first and, and that's circling all the way back to the confession of sin. That's what God does for us. We bring God what we have. All of it. We bring God the sin. We bring God the love. We bring God the resource. We bring God the ability. We bring God everything that we have and God takes it and uses it and makes it enough and feeds the people with it in all ways. And so in the middle of all of this chaos and tumult and violence we need to bring what we're experiencing and bring ourselves together to God. And God will guide us and equip us and prepare us and protect us. And I've been really reminded of that in my life lately. Um, that, that we must go to God, that, that at that moment when it seems absolutely hopeless, when things are out of our control and we cannot make it right under our own power and there is nothing left to do or there is no recourse for us, that God steps in. And so I declare this with faith, that God will redeem everything that God's justice will be done, that God will restore us. In all ways, reconciling us to God themselves and to all creation. And so I humbly bring all that we are suffering and all that we are and all that we have within us to be to God. And I throw myself 
and all of these things into God's arms upon God's mercy and I have full faith and confidence that God takes it all and God works a miracle and all is transubstantiated into something holy into the nourishment that is Christ's self. Holy Spirit, take these words and thoughts of mine and transform them. Take what I have and make it not just enough but abundance. For when your love, your glory, and your power are added to even the most meager morsel, it becomes abundant. God, I humbly ask that you forgive the sin, redeem the wound, and restore us forward. Our divine selves, glory to glory, that you take all of this, all of this that we are experiencing both in the present and historically, and that you transform all of your creation. I stand firm on your promise and rooted in your love. Amen. Let us use as the mission, prayer for mission today, the prayer of St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Almighty God, giver and source of all mercies, we, your created and co-creators, we're par your partners in holiness, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies 
that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.